up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast with your two favorite youth pastors, Kyle and Derek, figuring out every day how not to be a youth pastor. This is the year, Kyle, where we don't fall on our face as critical failures of being a youth pastor. You're setting the bar way higher than it was for me in 2021. If you're saying I'm not going to fall on my face at all this year. Oh, that's a given. I'm also saying on a consistent basis. Oh, okay. Just yeah. the, the consistency. Yeah, Got exactly. it. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, I think I might be capable of mediocreness uh, in my life. I, it, I like to think mediocrity, so. It's mediocrity, sir. Media- what did I say? <laughs> mediocreness? I, I don't know, but it wasn't right. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely wasn't right. Uh, quick question of the day before we get into today's episode. Derek, what's your favorite cookie and why? I'm going to have to go with a very specific answer here. Okay. Because it is the best cookie, and mm-hmm. I will not be told otherwise, regardless of what you say. I'm Interesting. Right, you're wrong. Uh, well, I told you before we hit record, I had an answer for this question. You did. And, and, I, and I thought was, you were going to say oatmeal raisin, no, and I would have walked out of this office nobody, right, here, right now. Nobody can say their favorite cookie is oatmeal raisin with a straight face. If you can, make sure to hit us up at how not to be a youth pastor. No, I don't want to hear from them. <laughs> I was I was gonna I was gonna send them what, those jelly beans that like oh the bamboozled bean, I was gonna say bamboozled but no it's beanboozled thank yeah. you yeah yeah we were because if you like oatmeal raisin Jesus loves you but nobody else does my favorite <laughs> cookie nailed it would be a sweet Martha's chocolate chip cookie uh, if you're not familiar Ooh. with that move to Minnesota because sweet Martha's has a stand at the Minnesota State Fair. It is the softest, gooeyest, most flavorful chocolate chip cookie in existence. And now they actually sell the cookie dough true. at Target, um, your local neighborhood grocery store. Our listeners store, in Kentucky and Connecticut and Vermont are and missing out. They don't know what Target is. Yes, they do. Tar- I don't know. Target is a national corporation. Nah, it's just Walmart and Aldi, and that's it. No. Dude, dude. Target, so listen, we live, like, Target's I, I need to look headquarters this up, Mr. are, Fact no, they, here. they are all around, but not nearly as much as Walmart. But my point is, uh, Target's headquarters are in Minneapolis, and that's we true. are spoiled rotten we because are. Target is amazing. I think it's God's way of making up for all the weird weather we get. Yeah, I was going to put out a caution. You told people to move to Minnesota. That might not be the best move. No. Uh, that they Granted, ever made. If you live in Connecticut, you're not missing much by moving. Thoughts here. and prayers to. Oh, that's Kentucky. I did say Kentucky too. Uh, uh, you know yeah. what? Thoughts and prayers to everybody. We'll just 2022. Yeah. Good thought. We're sending good prayers to everybody <laughs> from the how not <laughs> to be a youth only. <laughs> good vibes only. <laughs> All oh, right, Kyle. No. What you got for a cookie for me? Uh, obviously, there's only one correct answer to this, and it's, yeah, and I it's, gave it. No, well, you were you were on the right track. Okay, I'll say that. But the best cookie is the one that will potentially give you salmonella. And that is cookie, cookie dough. dough. Okay. Like well. the, the best cookie is an unbaked cookie. Like cookie dough. And now let me let me rephrase that because there are various recipes of like actually yeah. like they're called no bake cookies. Yes. No, 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 no. Like cookies <laughs> were either meant to be consumed at risk of disease or baked. Did you did you know I actually had like a close family friend who nearly died because they ate so much cookie dough in one sitting that they got actual salmonella? Well, my wife and I have a recipe for eggless cookie dough and we just eat that. How is that different so, than no bake though? 
Uh, That's what makes it no bake is the eggless. No, because we don't like form it into a cookie shape and then let it sit. Okay. We, we I, just, okay, we I just make the cookie dough I see what you're and saying. then like make a half batch or a quarter batch and then just eat it straight out of see, the bowl. See when I, when I've seen like edible cookie dough, like it's like, it's like in balls of cookie dough, but like it's, yeah. it's safe. Like quick trip has it. Oh you, yeah. You can go to 100%. quick trip and get no, no, like no, no. edible I'm, cookie dough. Again, homemade. Yeah. Like so don't that, be so buying cookie dough from the store and then eating that. Like that's good, but homemade cookie yeah. dough. Is where it's at. Yeah. hundred. But if I have to be a stickler and choose, uh, love some chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, five minutes in and we're still talking about cookies. That's all right. That's just uh, par for the course of this episode <laughs> that's true. or this podcast. That's true. Now, today's episode, uh, this is one that Derek and I have been looking forward to for a while, uh, but we put it off because we wanted to make sure that we could uh, put the time and the dedication into the the preparing side of this podcast. Contrary to popular belief, Derek and I do not just sit down and <laughs> record these episodes right off the cuff. Uh, we do actually put some time and energy into uh, preparing for our episodes. And this was one that we wanted to put extra attention uh, and and detail into because you know, this is, this is a topic we're talking about, you know, LGBTQ, uh, you know, in ministry or, or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Uh, you know, we're talking about a, a topic that can be a hot button issue for some, uh, and it is very, very easily misrepresented in churches and youth ministries all across the country, all across the world. And so we wanted to, it's something that is very important and we wanted to, to take an episode to touch on. And, and to dive into, but at the same time, uh, you know, we wanted to do it right. And so that's why, you know, we waited until now, you know, first episode of 2022, we want to make sure that, uh, that we're hitting the ground running with, with some strong research. We, we do want, we do want the, the research element of it to be on pace because what's the point of having a podcast if it's just two guys getting together, sharing their opinions. I mean, there's, there's enough of those to go around and, we want this to truly be something that is helpful, that is educational, that is something that we can put forth with good confidence knowing this is not just us sharing what we think. This is us actually digging into it. And I think episodes like this, there's an important disclaimer, an important announcement, an important thing we want to put out there. Uh, we talk about this all the time, but the intent of this podcast is to be a resource for really anyone that's listening, whether yep. it's a student of ours, a student who's not related to us, or uh, a parent, or a youth leader, or a youth pastor, or really anyone, we want to cater every episode to the mass so that anybody can pull something out of it. And I think with this particular subject, it's something that all of us are touched by to a certain degree, whether it's you're listening and you personally are going through this in your own life or your child's life or somebody you know personally, or if you're just affiliated with it to some degree, this is a very sensitive topic and it's one we took very seriously. And so we're going to probably joke around in the midst of this because that's just who Kyle and I are. But it's really hard to turn the switch off. You it, know, it is. It is. You can just ask our wives on that because uh, they have to live with it of that switch not being able to ever be fully turned off. And it's, it's true. I think both of them have like a permanent eye roll. Oh, look, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, because and deserved. Yeah. But, you know, and it, it happens. It's super fun when Kyle and I, because we actually just did a double date not too long ago with our wives. And it was just funny because Kyle and I were just cracking jokes and being like we normally are. And our 
wives almost simultaneously just rolled their eyes and scoffed. It was like face into the palm of the hand. Yeah. yeah it, it was it like quite literally that happened in the mm-hmm. restaurant we were in. It was, it was epic, but no, pulling, pulling this back in full circle. Um, we actually pulled in some various resources. We did some actual research. We, we dove in from our experience. Like we want, we to- actually did research. Derek wants Shocker. to make that known. Yes. Uh, but I just want to reach out to everybody before we even jump into this, that uh, our desire to come from from this perspective is uh, we don't want this to be a guilt thing. We don't want this to be a shame thing. We want this to be something that is truly life-giving and helpful and and full of love throughout the remainder of this, just because there is a lot to this, both emotionally and intellectually. And so we're going to dive right on in. Yeah, absolutely. And so we are going to start off uh, with some good old fashioned vocabulary. Yes. Uh, because there are a lot of uh, terms that, that we might use in this episode. And there's just a lot of, uh, you know, terms, language, anything that, that revolves around this conversation. And we want to get on the same page. Uh, you know, you might, th- th- there was something that we put into this show doc that Derek didn't know. And he learned it about 20 minutes ago. And so Literally, a few different things. Yeah. <laughs> and so we're, we'll start off with, cause there's a lot of acronyms, uh, when it comes to this, the, the LGBTQ, uh, acronym and and there are some other letters that sometimes get added on to the end of that but that those five are are kind of the main ones and so uh, we'll we'll run through those here you know first off the L stands for lesbian that would be you know female attracted to female the G is the opposite that would be gay male attracted to male and you know that one can sometimes be used uh, as kind of an all-encompassing. Yep. Uh, you know, for like gay is just sometimes homosexual in general. Yep. Uh, and sometimes it's, you know, specifically male and male and then lesbian would be female and female. Correct. Um, bisexual would be LGB bisexual. Uh, that would be somebody who is attracted to both male and female. Um, the T is transgender, uh, which is when, you know, you are biologically, one gender, but you identify as the other. Another term that you'll hear sometimes is, uh, you know, you identify as one gender, but it is different than the gender you were assigned at birth, uh, which is, again, a, I don't know, progressive way to just yeah. say the biological gender. Sure. Yeah. Um, or your original biological gender, uh, if you're somebody who has transitioned. Yes. Uh, as far as transgender goes. Uh, and then LGBTQ, the queer uh, would be the Q. And that's that's one that is widely defined. Yes. Uh, you know, there's it's a lot ambiguous. of different people. A lot of different people have a lot of different definitions. Uh, honestly, the, the easiest way to define it is almost as a catch-all uh, to encompass many of the other letters that you could throw on to the end of yeah. that LGBTQ acronym. Yeah. And you'll often find LGBTQ has been around for a decent amount of time. But if you've seen anything, probably even in the last two or three years, you probably have seen LGBTQ plus. And that plus mm-hmm. is purely a stipulation or an asterisk, if you will, saying that there's actually so much more to this particular 
topic that is not clearly defined by LGBT and Q. Right. The, the entire movement, you know, it, it really prides itself on the inclusivity of it. Correct. Uh, but I, they, they kind of self-identified that this inclusivity went too far when they had like four five, six, seven, nine, ten 10 acron- or letters yes. yep. in this thing. And so they kind of pulled, cause it was widely LGBTQIA for a while. Yep. And, and they kind of pulled it back to just that plus sign that Derek yep. mentioned. Uh, and so real quick, we're not going to dive into any of these, but just some of the other uh, identifiers. Uh, and these that, are the ones that are, are, are more obscure, I would say. Not, not yes. odd, but like like I said, like I, there are rare. some of these. I did, rare is a good word. Um, just because I'm guessing those in the show have heard of the five before and what they mean. But the ones that we're going to list here are are more rare ones that are not discussed as widely. So yeah, Kyle, right. take it away. And the, the first one that I'll mention uh, <laughs> to loop around it wouldn't actually be included in this plus. Uh, but cisgender is the one that I just want to mention real quick. Uh, cisgender would be people whose gender identity matches the gender they were assigned at birth. So for example, me, um, you know, somebody who like I was born a male and I identify as a male, if that's what you like, sure. that that's what cisgender yeah. means. Uh, that's, that wouldn't necessarily be included in this plus Okay. Category because, you know, for thousands of years, cisgender has been the norm. Yeah. Like that's been, uh, you know, the, the popular, it's been the assumed as Derek said. And so, uh, that one, it's, it's too common to be included in the plus. Sure. And so, uh, real quick. So a gender, uh, would be somebody with low or no sexual desires, uh, we should. I want to look up something. Is that is that synonymous with asexual or agent? I probably should ask you this beforehand, but I'll, I'll, I'll look. Maybe I'll look at, you run through the rest because I, I know that was a question I had. Sure. Um, May, I, maybe agender would be you don't identify with any gender versus asexual would correct. be you have low or no sexual desire. Correct. That sounds right. But yep. we're doing live research here. But I'll keep going. Uh, by just, just to confirm, I have it right here. There you go. Asexual means that you experience little or no sexual attraction to other people. Agender means you don't have a gender. Or you, you don't go. identify okay. with a gender. The yep. wonder of immediate Google searches. Exactly. Uh, on, you know, then we're just going to keep getting broader and broader. By gender would be identifying as both man and woman. Pansexual uh, would be attracted to everyone regardless of their sexual identity. Uh, and that would be different than bise- bisexual meaning two, right? Bi is two. Correct. And so bisexual would be attracted to two, you know, male and female, two genders. Yep. Pansexual being attracted to any number of genders. Uh, demisexual, which is the one that Derek learned about this morning. So we're really proud of him. Thank you. Um, that would be, you know, you can only experience sexual attraction after an emotional bond has been formed. Um, questioning. Uh, it, th- this is another one that you'll sometimes uh, see as the the, the Q, Q in mm-hmm. LGBTQ. 
possibly because like how many Q words could we possibly? Correct. <laughs> it's like X and Q. Yeah, you know, right. there, there's a reason these letters are very valuable in Scrabble. Scrabble. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I told you we'd come up See? with a way to fit humor. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We're starting start playing Scrabble. Uh, questioning is exactly what it sounds like, right? You're, you're not sure. You're exploring sometimes is, is another word that you'll hear associated with this one. Um, I mentioned cisgender and then the last one that we will mention, uh, which is again, it falls into, into this plus category. I've seen yep. it fall into this plus category, mm-hmm. but it's also very, very different from the rest of these, uh, which would be intersex, uh, which is when your physical characteristics don't solely match male or female. And the reason that intersex is different than all of these other identifications that we laid out here is that, it's not a pathological thing. Uh, you know, intersex is a naturally occurring thing throughout humanity. You you have people that are not born biologically with a hundred percent male or a hundred percent female, uh, anatomy. Yeah. And, and that's where like this kind of intersex, uh, I don't want to call it a label, but, um, and, and it's not, not a label or an identification or anything, but it's, it's much more biological, yeah. biologically based sure. than, than a lot of the other things that we're talking right. about here. And we'll kind of break that down a little bit later to kind of what we mean by biological, there's sociological things or psychological things. Mm-hmm. And we're going to break all that down. But I think a, a question that as a youth pastor that I have been wrestling with trying to figure this answer out. I know I've had parents ask me this. I've had other leaders ask me this, but I, th- I think it's a pertinent question and it's, it's why is, why is I, I would I'd be hard pressed to say that there is not a movement in our world today that is growing faster and wider than this LGBTQ plus community. And I think there's a, like with any growing organization or group, it's a fair question to ask why? Like, 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 why is this growing in popularity? Why is this growing so big and so wide? Uh, and so the question we were asking ourselves is, why is this so prevalent in our society today? And uh, it actually goes back to Generation Z, the, the generation of students that are in our youth group. One of the notable characteristics of Generation Z is that their identity is huge to them. And there is... The LGBTQ community is a huge identity, a huge thing that those students can just wear proudly and say, I'm with this, I'm in this, I'm a part of this. And really what that goes back to, to me and to my understanding is, I think as human beings, we have this innate God-given desire to belong to something. You see all throughout scripture that the Bible stresses this importance of community. Uh, you see like the book of Acts, especially the early church. I mean, they stress the importance of being with people, being in community. It's actually very interesting when you look at gangs for a second. If you study gangs in some of these bigger cities and 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 they ask to... They ask ex-gang members and current gang members, like, why'd you decide to join? There was two really big things that were mentioned. The first one is safety. This idea that if you live in a, a troubled area, if you have a squad of people around you protecting you, you're more safe. Mm-hmm. But the second thing I think is very interesting is it really came down to, I wanted to belong to something bigger than myself. I want to be in this brotherhood, this sisterhood. I want to belong to that. And right now, I don't know, like I said, of a bigger, more welcoming, more accepting, 
more inviting, more just holistic, I would say, welcoming community than the LGBTQ community. Absolutely. You see, you know, sororities and fraternities are very, very popular on college campuses. Like Derek mentioned, gangs, like those are, those are things that people want to be a part of. But even in those, you know, a lot of gangs have, uh, and, and fraternities and sororities, now that I think about it, you know, all three of those have, uh, you know, rituals and initiations that come along with them. And that's something that sometimes scares people away from joining a sorority, for an example. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I want to be a part of this, but I know the cost that comes with being a part of it. Uh, you know, the LGBTQ community doesn't have, you know, there's, there's not like a initiation, you know, hoop that you have to jump through in order to be a part of this community. It's, are you? Yes, you're in. Yes. You know, it's, it's Mm -hmm. not a, but it's not a complicated process. And, And that's something that is very attractive, uh, to a group of students, a group of individuals that wants that belonging piece that Derek was talking about. They want, the the acceptance mm-hmm. they want that family feel and this is this is a play this is a group that loves that idea and they want to accept and, who, and who love wouldn't? everybody who wouldn't who wouldn't want to just walk into oh a yeah group we're like we love you you're awesome like that like, yeah we're it definitely makes a human feel good we're definitely not like saying that's a bad thing no at all right but it, it i think i think that's why is you Sometimes when you want something and you are, are looking for it, you're almost willing to go along with it. And I'm, right. I'm I, I, again, I don't want to give credence like this isn't a really deep issue because it is, but I just want to give credence to the fact that this community is so loving and so welcoming that it's, it's so enticing and so attractive mm-hmm. that you almost want to be a part of it. Yeah, the by nature. The controversial statement of the day for for me here is that you know the the Christian church mm-hmm. could learn a few things. Correct. From the LGBTQ I, I, community as I, far as I was as, thinking the same thing though cuz right is isn't that what the church was supposed to be? Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that the mantra instead of going Hey, like, what do you believe? Or, or like, what'd you do last night? Like, oh, like, I feel like we as the church pride ourselves on being welcoming. But if we had to get really honest, are we this welcoming? Mm-hmm. Are we this accepting of people wherever they're at? And yeah. That's a, that's a hard question yeah. that the church has to ask itself. But I think if we were to sum up one word that that community is, it's that they're accepting. And yeah, I think it is, that- it is that acceptance. And, you know, we talk about Gen Z. Uh, you know, this is, this is something that they've really latched onto. Yeah. You know, if you've been in youth ministry longer than Derek and I have, you know, that with each generation, there's going to be a new thing. You know, there were generations Mm -hmm. in the past. It's been, you know, just, it's been sexual activity. It's been drugs. It's been alcohol. It's been name it. You know, each generation, you know, you're going to see all of these in all generations, but each generation is going to have one or two specific things that seem to be a little bit more prevalent. Yeah. And for youth ministry in America today, this is one of, if not the biggest, uh, you know, things that our students are wrestling with. And youth pastors, it, it, the hard part for us is there's no playbook on this. 
Yeah. There's no, well, what did they do in the past? There's, there's, this is not necessarily something that we experienced when we were younger and going through youth ministry ourselves. And so you kind of have to start wondering what's my response, which we're going to get here at, here at the end of the episode. But I just wanted to share an interesting statistic with you about this acceptance piece, because I want to kind of wrap up why that this prevalence in our society with this idea that we're just in a culture that is much more accepting. And Pew Research is a research uh, facility organization, if you will, that does a lot of research studies on the American church, the global church. They're, they're a fantastic organization. And they ran a study in 2015 about this idea of acceptance of homosexuality. And I saw this that I thought was just very, very interesting. A majority of U.S. Christians, not like just people, but U.S. Christians, 54% of the U.S. Christian community said that homosexuality should be more accepted than discouraged by society. And I think that's very interesting because that it goes to show this is not just a world versus church thing. This is something that I think a lot of people are asking themselves. And, you know, Kyle and I were talking about before, I think a reason we live in a culture now that is all about acceptance. We want to accept everybody. And I think that is the big thing is even if we don't necessarily agree with the lifestyle, we want to be accepting of it. And I think that is the culture we live in. And I think really a, a big contributing factor to that to me is your gender roles. I mean, I will never forget when I was younger, if you liked, uh, if you, if you liked the arts, if you liked quote unquote female things, but you were a dude, then you must be gay or the opposite direction. Yep. And uh, I want Kyle to kind of finish with this story here about something that we read and experienced about even the other direction. So it used to be like a dude, you're you must be gay if you like going to theater and doing this. But now it's almost we push it the other direction. So you like when Kyle and I were kids, you suppress it. You're like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I just like this stuff. But now it's almost like we've went the other direction where it's like. Hey, you like the theater too? You must be gay. And it's like, it almost like we put people into these boxes without actually just understanding that like people's interests and personalities are bigger than their gender. Right. Absolutely. I don't remember where this, this came from. Uh, if it was something that we looked at in college or I, I don't remember where this came from, but uh, it was it was a, a story of this couple who had a three, four, five, I think it was a, a four or five year old son. Uh, and they had a daughter who was older than that, maybe by two or three years. And their son, they noticed, really started to enjoy, you know, dressing up as a princess, uh, dressing up, at, you know, in different dresses and other, you know, female clothing. And they started to question, like, you know, is our son, you know, female? Like, should yeah. should do, should should he identify as female? Uh, you know, how, how do we kind of go about this? And, and they were talking with different experts, uh, you know, putting plans in place, uh, to raise, uh, their, their biological son as a, as a female. And I don't know if they consulted, you know, a, a Christian who was in this field or, or who ended up saying this to them or pointing this out to them rather. But this this person sat down with them and they're telling them the story and and this doctor says, well, let me ask you this. Like he, clearly, he is very much enjoying, you know, dressing up in in his older sister's yeah. you know 
dress up clothes. Yep. You know, uniforms of of you know princesses and whatnot. Does he have any dress up clothes of his own? Does he have you know? Can he dress up as a male cowboy, policeman, you know, whatever? you want to call it like, does he have his own dress or does he just like to dress up yeah. and his older sister's princess dresses are the only dress up stuff that he has. Right. And, and it kind of, I remember, you know, it kind of hit the parents in the face of, Oh, well, that's interesting. And they got yeah. him some dress up stuff of his own. Like I know they got him a cowboy thing and, and a couple other things. And that was really the end of the conversation. Like yeah. he, once he got his own stuff, he really enjoyed dressing up in that. And, you know, things progressed as normal. Yeah. But I think that, you know, it, all of that to say, uh, you know, it's, it's an example of a culture that is very, very quick on the trigger to, to accept and affirm LGBTQ identities. Yeah. And I think in that haste to be accepting, we just start assigning things that aren't necessarily 100% correct. I mean, to your point, my son loves My Little Pony. Historically, that's been a very girly show. Am I going to assume that my son is no longer whatever? No. It's just, I think it just touches on the fact that we as human beings are built with natural curiosities, wonderings about this world. And because we're so nervous about not being accepting, mm -hmm. we just start getting quick on that trigger and just saying, oh man, it must be this. And so I got to get behind this and get on top of this. And, and it just, I think we would all do well just to just take a step back because that's exactly what we want to talk about is this whole idea of sexual orientation of who you're attracted to and who you are is a very deep issue. And so when you look at the science of all of this stuff, because there is a lot that goes into it, you have psychology, which is just the study of the inner workings of your brain. Psychologists, I think we're all familiar with, are people who specialize in mental health and all the rest of this. Yep. There's a lot that goes into it that is not just biological. Bio biology is, or physiology is the actual physical working of your human body. Mm -hmm. And it's part of the equation. Correct. But it's not the only piece. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where we get hung up is like, this is just a biological thing. No, it's not. It's actually a psychological thing as well because you have the brain in there. And I think the most underappreciated, undervalued, kind of subliminal part of all of this is sociology, which is social and human interactions. And so when you talk about sexual orientation, any of the things we mentioned above... We have to understand that how you identify who you're attracted to is a combination of personal experiences, culture, your interactions with other people, and all of that is kind of what helps your brain, your psychology establish itself. Yeah, the, the biology, the psychology, and the sociology all coming together to you know, feed into this sexual orientation discussion uh you know you will meet people on either end of this conversation that want to take one or two of those pieces out of the equation correct and and claim that they aren't there in the first place claim that they have a much smaller role than we think they do or a much larger role than yeah. we think we do and you know when it when it comes down to it all three of those deserve a seat at the table uh, when when we're talking about this discussion and and how it all plays into 
uh, you know, how we, how we view, you know, people making this or people, people's gender orientation, their sexual right. orientation. Because it is, a, it is a deep thing and it's a multi-layer, multi-faceted thing. And that's what I think is so interesting because my wife uh, is awesome. I am, I, I definitely dated up and, and married up because my wife is, is awesome. But my wife uh, is a social worker. She uh, has an LSW or L- LGSW. I can't remember no the No clue what that means. But she, she's, she's, she's she, smart. She's got her undergrad. and Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but she, because of that, she has been through many trainings and seminars mm-hmm. and all of this stuff on this particular topic. And so I asked her just to kind of feed, uh, give us some feedback and give us some insight into all of this because she is more qualified than Kyle and I. And I thought this was super interesting. She told me that the correlation of homes that don't have a present father have an increased likelihood of homosexuality and it's not close. Uh, and I found that super interesting. I was like, why, like, why is that? Like, why is it that homes that don't have an active father, like, why is it that we see more cases of this? Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of, there's an alarming number of things that are in that bucket. Yes. You know, when it comes to, you know, the lack of a father figure in a home, there is like, it's not funny, but it's, it's so many things that, that you see a rise in, uh, you know, like I, I don't have, I'm, I'm not Derek. I didn't bring the actual statistics in front of me, but I know that violence uh, you know, I is is a a huge skyrocket yep. in in young men and boys that grow up without a father. And you yep. know, you've Derek have some. I won't spoil it, but you know, some statistics with females as well. Yeah, yeah. And I th- I think when it comes to stats like this, because I know there are probably even some single moms that are listening to this and going, "Man, my kids are are just in for it." Mm-hmm. These are th- these are guides, and these are things that are statistics and common patterns. They are not an identity and a promise. And so, if you are a student and you're in this realm, you're not just out of luck. If you're a mm-hmm. parent in here, these are just meant to be like, okay, I see why this is the way that it is. This is not meant to be something that is condemning and guilt shaming. And and we've got students in our youth ministries yeah. who are coming from single parent homes. Yep. Do you want, like these statistics are talking about a young man or a young woman that's being raised literally without a father figure. Correct. Youth leaders, youth pastors, correct. Other friends like churches are great places to like, if I had, if I am a single person, mother who has a, a teenage son. Yep. Like there are other men in your church who can take that young man under their wing and have some of these conversations, teach yep. them some of these things, just be another voice in their life. Like Correct. I tell our adult leaders all the time that you can never have enough positive adult influences in a student's life. And, you know, traditionally, I think the number is like, there should be at least five different, you know, a positive, really influential adults in somebody's life. Guess what? If you are, if you are a a couple, a married couple with kids, you only got two of those five. Right. Right. And so you still need, you know, other adult 
positive influences yeah. in their life. And, and like, that's part of the reason that youth ministry exists. And it makes a huge difference. It yeah. really makes a massive, massive difference. I think that's the why sports and, and getting in school. Oh yeah. Coaches. Activities. Yeah. Like there's this, I'm really glad you made that comment Cal, because this is a fatherless home one that does not have a father-like figure. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a very, very important stipulation. But here's what's crazy. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read this quote from my wife because I, I just, she said it so well. Good friend of the show, man. Good friend of the show. Uh, specifically for girls, those from a fatherless home are 71% more likely to have a teenage pregnancy because they don't learn healthy relationships with men. They're more likely to be used and their chance of rape and sexual abuse increases by 900%. I thought that was a typo when you put it in there. No, 900%. It's crazy. So they're much more likely to have unhealthy and negative experiences with men, developing trust issues and even fear. And so that is exactly why all of a sudden the same gender becomes more enticing because you have this very negative association with men. And so you have this desire for romance and love and affection, but that's hard to reconcile with this idea of trust, mistrust and fear. Yeah. And I want to take a moment because you mentioned, uh, you know, the, the other relate, the other relationship, the other gender becomes enticing. Yes. And, and I want to just pause here real quick. Maybe this is something that we should have put earlier in the, in the show, yeah. but there, when when Derek and I have this conversation about LGBTQ community, about students that identify as any number of things that we listed at the beginning of the show, yes, I would say that there are two different categories within you know that within that community. The first category would be you know, like, yes, this is, this is who I, somebody that says, this is who I am. This is what I identify. Uh, you know, this is, this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. The second group comes from that conversation that Derek and I had earlier about how accepting the LGBTQ community is. Mm -hmm. There are going to inevitably be students who join an LGBTQ community claim an identity, not because this is who they are, but because it's a popular group to be in Yep. because I don't know, maybe I'll give this a try. And that's or where if you just don't know. Yes. If I, I that questioning tag Correct. that we talked about sounds yes. really fun and it sounds safe, you know, I don't know, but now there's a label for the fact that I don't know. Yep. And so there, there's kind of two different conversations here, two different groups of people. And that's where like, if, if I have really bad experiences with, with the, with one gender, yeah, I might not have, you know, it's not like I have this overwhelming physical attraction to the same sex, but I just have had really bad experiences with the yep. opposite sex. So let's, you know, let's give yeah. the same sex a try. Yep. And it's, if you've been through that, on behalf of Kyle and I and everyone that loves you and cares about you, we're sorry. Mm-hmm. Like we're sorry that you've been through that. And we know that what you walk through is something that's very deep. And so I think really what that boils down to is it just it gives credence to the fact this this is a deep thing. This yeah, is a deep it's, and it's complicated. This is not just a decision. This is not just a choice. This is not just a flippant thing that you do. It's something that that goes into it. And, and I'm just gonna finish with Meg here because I thought this last piece was very interesting as well. 
He said, also those from fatherless homes have insanely higher rates of depression and anxiety, which makes a ton of sense. Mm -hmm. And that perpetuates the cycle of wanting to belong to something and feel accepted in love. Going back to what we just talked about, especially when you are depressed, depressed and anxious, you want to be a part of a place that combats those things and approaches them head on. And really what this all boils down to is like, this just goes to prove that this is, this is not whatever you feel on whatever side of the fence you're on. This is not just a, I'm born this way. This is not just a, this is who I am. It's how I came out of the womb. This is a very holistic, very complex, multi-layer, multifaceted concept that there's a lot that goes into it. And it's, uh, it's not just the Bible. It's not just the science. It, it's all of these things coming together and it helps us kind of paint a picture of it in a more holistic way. Yeah. And so we want to, uh, sorry, I just lost my spot in our show doc here. I'm back. Uh, we want to kind of talk about the, the biblical and the spiritual side of this, because when we come at this issue from a youth ministry perspective, you know, that's, that's one of the tools that we're going to use. And so we want to talk about this spiritual side of things, and then we're going to bring it all the way back around to, okay, now what, how do we put all of these things together and, and what's the big picture? And so when we talk about, you know, what does the Bible say? Uh, apparently that's up for debate. <laughs> <laughs> And so, what? <laughs> well, I, I just, I, I know, I, yeah, just continue. I, I love it. Your, uh, your sarcasm is, is my favorite. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, it, it, yeah. So, like I said, apparently, you know, what, what the Bible said, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? Uh, it, it's up for debate. Um, you know, I don't even know where to begin with this. Uh, in the old, can I, can I clarify? Sure. Can I clarify? We're going to have people who say, no, it's not. It's the inerrant word of God. It's divine truth. And it is. And I think that's where we're coming at it. But the interpretation of said text, I think is where people are starting to go. It's up for debate. And that's, that's what we want to address. It's it's not that we're, we're debating what the Bible says. It's, we're debating the interpretations that have arisen from it. Yes. Yeah. And it, it obviously, we're going to start in the Old Testament because obviously we're going to start in the Old Testament. Obviously. That came first. Uh, you know, throughout the Old Testament, there's four or six different instances where homosexuality is mentioned as a sin. It's mentioned as, quote unquote, detestable. Uh, depending on your translation. Uh, Leviticus chapter 18 is a really good comprehensive example of this where, you know, Moses is writing down the law, uh, the Torah from God. And he, he's like literally writing down, like a man should not lie with a woman or a man should not lie with a man as he does a woman. It is detestable unto the Lord, I believe is verse 21 in, cha- in chapter 18. And so that was off the top of my head. Thank you very much. Uh, I've spent a little bit of time preparing for this show, obviously. Uh, but that, that is actually Leviticus 18 verse 22, oh, not 21. What a you were close. Loser. You were close. This version says, um, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It's an abomination. Oh, so, an abomination. Again, That's new. It's strong language. It's, it is. It's yes. very strong. Oh, yes. It's, it's not up for debate that whatever the Bible's talking about here is a bad thing when it comes to the Old Testament. Uh, however, you will see some people argue that, uh, 
these passages, as well as references in the New Testament, but especially these ones in the Old Testament, uh, when it when the Bible says homosexuality, uh, they will they will argue that the the best way to interpret that is not talking about a loving, committed homosexual relationship. You know, there's three different things that they kind of throw into how we should interpret that, which is uh, rape, mm-hmm. uh, pedophilia. And typically (laughs) also being rape. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, pagan worship and, and instances where there's ritual rituals involved in pagan worship that deal with homosexuality. Sorority and fraternity on steroids. Like it's not just, Oh yeah. It's grotesque. And you thought there was strong language when it came to (laughs) how God feels about homosexuality. I mean, some of these pagan rituals for, for worshiping various gods were, ridiculous but the the argument is is typically around those three rape pedophilia and pagan worship uh and that's how we should interpret uh these old testament you know scriptures relating to homosexuality uh i'm not going to get into the the meat of it but they really don't hold a lot of ground uh specifically you know the the text that I mentioned in Leviticus chapter 18. We're getting really deep here, but that's all right. Uh, Leviticus, it's good too, though, I think. Yeah, Leviticus chapter 18, uh, verse 22, apparently. Yep. Uh, you know, it it says that line about homosexuality being detestable or an abomination, whatever. Mm-hmm. The verse before that, uh, you know, Moses writes down like, do not sacrifice your children in pagan worship to the God Molech or something. It, yeah, I'm, right. I'm like, okay, hold on. We did a complete 180 here. Yep. All of the rest of chapter 18 up until that verse is talking about various sexual immorality. And then we get to this random verse about Molech. Almost like he forgot about it and just stuck it in there. (laughs) Exactly. And then the next verse is talking about homosexuality. Yeah. And so that's where a lot of people will, will attach and associate this homosexuality with the pagan worship. But there's other verses after that. And and if you continue reading this verse about Molech is quite literally a blip an insertion in, in the rest of this. I don't know why, yeah. You know, we decided, well, I don't know why Moses threw that in there. Like God's like, Oh wait, Hey, uh, mention this real quick or what, you yeah, know, right. I, I don't know, but I don't know why it's there specifically, but contextually you, if you read more than just those two verses, yeah. it's clear that this is part of a bigger sexual immorality conversation and not specifically now we're going to flip to talk about pagan worship. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it you'll see it sprinkled throughout the new Testament as well. This, it all kind of tails back. And I've even, even had the arguments that if you look at the root word of, because in the New Testament it talks about how you're not supposed to engage with homosexual you know, relationships. And a lot of people go like, well, that's just a modern day interpretation. And it does go back to, again, context. Context is huge in this situation. Uh, and, you know, it, it it is one of those things where people put it up for debate. But if that's your argument that the Bible supports it, I think Kyle and I are trying to say it doesn't. I mean, the the Bible does not necessarily say that you're in the clear, you're you're good here, uh, just because there are so many other references that we didn't mention. And maybe if you're looking for those, uh, please shoot us an email because we'd be happy to start kind of gather those 
Um, and just as a disclaimer, there are a lot of great books that go along mm-hmm. with this topic that this realistically, this could be, you know, something that could go on for hours if we want it to. Uh, this, this is again, a very diverse topic. And uh, even before this show, Kyle um, had a few books and a few resources that he was talking about and mentioning and so, you know, we might even pull those up later on in the show, but if you are wanting any of that, please reach out to us because we want to get that into your hands. Yeah. The, the one book that I will mention, yeah. uh, you know, again, Derek said it, like, we'd love to provide you guys with more resources. We just can't with the amount of time we have in one episode. Uh, but there's a book called a war of loves by David Bennett. And if you want more information, I can give it to you. But that is like the single best resource that I would equip somebody with. Uh, it's an autobiography. It's David's story, you know, him just telling yeah. his story. And it's a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Uh, and so if anybody's interested, that's a, that's a great one to look at. But the other, the other thing that I want to say uh, when it comes to, you know, homosexuality and what the Bible specifically says about it, uh, you know, the other argument that I'll hear from time to time and especially, okay, I'm not getting into that. <laughs> I got sidetracked there. My mind's going in two different, too many different directions, but the New Testament People, people will use the fact that Jesus did not specifically address anything with homosexuality sure. as evidence that he's okay with it. Sure. And that it's not something that we have to have such a negative stigmatism on. Yeah. Uh, that's a leap, in my opinion, uh, you know, to say that just because Jesus didn't say anything about it, that means it's okay, especially when the Old Testament was so vehemently and clearly against it. Uh, you have, I One mean, th- I mean, Jesus blatantly said he didn't come to blow up the law. He right. Came up he to uphold he it, came you know? to fulfill it, not mm-hmm. to abolish it. Mm-hmm. And so, if anything, you know, the the stance should be. If the Old Testament was against it, the New Testament is as well, unless Jesus specifically said otherwise. Correct. You know, the not the other way around where, well, let's just throw the whole Old Testament yeah. out. Like sacrifices, great example. You know, yeah. there, there are sacrifices in the Old Testament, atonement for sins. Well, Jesus came and he fulfilled that sacrifice, so we don't need to sacrifice animals to God anymore. We do on Sundays. Um, Everybody walks in I and grabs a chicken. So <laughs> I am so not coming to your church. Uh, I, you know, you could argue. If you want to come to my church? It's uh, it's it's called a Riverdale Church hey, in Andover. Here. Hey, that'd be mine. Uh, <laughs> you could argue that you know, like the church barbecue. Yeah, uh, it could be. Cons- yeah. that's not a sacrament. There's no uh, expectation of atonement of sins that it comes with a church barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> there should be. <laughs> no, let's just eat great barbecued meat. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> be done with it. Uh, and so that's that's the other thing that I just want to mention. Uh, I've seen come pop up from time to time that. Uh, doesn't really hold water when it comes to the spiritual discussion of homosexuality. And so uh, that that's kind of a look at, you know, what the Bible says about homosexuality. Um, and, and I think that applying, applying that to, uh, you know, to this broader discussion of LGBTQ, how as a youth pastor, as a parent, as a student, how do I respond to this? How do I react to this? Uh, homosexuality the Bible says is a sin. This is something that man has taken something that God designed for good and twisted it 
to fit our desires. And it's, it's tough because, you know, Derek mentioned earlier, one of the, one of the phrases that the LGBTQ community will throw out sometimes is I'm born this way. And I don't, I had a controversial statement earlier in this podcast. I don't remember what it was, but here's, here's controversial statement number two. (laughs) And Derek gave me a funny look when I told him this earlier, I'm not completely opposed to some, to an LGBTQ individual saying, oh, well, yes, I'm, I'm born this way. And don't turn off the podcast because let me explain it. If you are, if you don't know Christ, mm-hmm. if you don't know Christ, it is probably going to feel like you were born this way. Because if homosexuality is a sin, I don't know about you, Derek, but I don't struggle a hundred percent with the exact same things that you do. Correct. Uh, you know, not every Christian, sa- Satan's not going to attack every Christian the same. Correct. He he has a very limited number of things he'll use because <laughs> he's uncreative and an idiot, but <laughs> the, I need that t-shirt. Satan is uncreative and an idiot. Uh, that's going to go right along with our great, great I am, great I am yeah. t-shirts. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, it's, it's tough because Satan's going to attack everybody differently. And you know, he might like, if homosexuality is a sin, I'm going to, if I'm Satan, I'm going to try and use that to divide you from God. Correct. And so if I can put, you know, little thoughts in your head, even from a young age to try to get you to believe that this is who you are and you are not a son or a daughter of Christ, broader issue, our identity as a son or a daughter of Christ should come long before our sexual identity in defining who we are. Yep. There, there's no, if I don't know Christ, then all I know is what Satan's been telling me. Yep. And, and that's the, that's the hard part. I, I, we're so quick to dismiss. No, you weren't born that way. Like this, that first of all, you know, we have to, again, we have to take the, the biology, Mm -hmm. the psychology and the sociology into this, into this discussion. But we have to be able to look at this and say, you know, Satan tempts some people like I wasn't somebody might not be this is not a perfect analogy I acknowledge that but alcohol you know somebody you're not born addicted to alcohol correct but you might be born some people are born with just a little bit more of an addictive personality Mm -hmm. than others and I have met plenty of people that have the self awareness to recognize I am not going to drink any alcohol, not because I'm morally against it, not because I don't like the taste even, but because I know that I have a more addictive personality and I can, I could spiral in that direction a lot easier than the average person. And I think it's similar again, not a perfect analogy, but it's similar with this homosexuality discussion where, you know, there's, there's some people that, that Satan is going to try to poke at this more than others. Yep. And for them, if they don't have that identity in Christ, it might feel like, oh, I've been this way. You know, this is just who I am. I'm born this way. Well, and I think you bring up a good point there because uh, you'll notice when we go back to Leviticus, when you go back to sexual immorality in, in general, we didn't touch much in the New Testament, but the New Testament talks a lot about sexual immorality and that's like sleeping with another man's wife, another man's husband, sleeping before you're married. 
homosexuality fits under to that umbrella of sexual immorality. But when you look at all of these things, you'll notice it's the act of acting on this sexual impulse. And yep. so what I mean by that is the Bible is also clear about lust, which mm-hmm. basically means like Jesus straight up says like, if you so much as look as another man or woman and want to be with them sexually, you're it's almost as bad as if you were with them sexually. Mm-hmm. And so what I do with all of that is something I tell my students all the time, or not all the time, but I need to start telling them more, <laughs> is you're going to get tempted. You're going to get tempted. You're yeah. going to have impulses. You're going to have things that are contrary your flesh is going to fight against your spirit. And so you're like, when it comes to homosexuality, you might be attracted to the same gender. You might think you're supposed to be a different gender. You might have all of these thoughts and these impulses and these things, but until you act on them, you are not operating in sin. Mm-hmm. And so if you do struggle with it, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the, what that book kind of touches on yeah. is the difference between feeling this and acting on this because they're two very different things. Yeah. Again, you know, David Bennett, A War of Loves. Excellent, excellent book. And to spoil the end of it for all of our listeners, uh, you know, reading through this book is is David going through this journey of, you know, being gay and and then finding Christ and trying to figure out what does all of this mean for me? Like, I know, you know, he says in the book, I know a hundred percent that I am a son of God. Mm -hmm. Like I know that I am God's Christ is my identity, Mm -hmm. but I also cannot deny the, you know, urges that I have here in my flesh and where he lands is, uh, he described, kind of describes himself as a gay celibate Christian. Yeah. Uh, you know, he lands on, you know, I, I am going to pray that God takes this temptation away from me because that's easier. Right. Yep. Like right. I don't think anybody's going to argue, like if we just right. don't have temptation, that makes life a whole lot easier. But he, what he does is he's like, I'm going to pray that God takes this away. But as long as he doesn't, like I acknowledge that the Bible's very clear. Like Christ is very clear that this is a sin for me to act on this. Yes. And so, right. I, I tell our students sometimes when it comes to lust, like the first look, not a sin. Mm-hmm. The second look, the third look, the fourth, like yep. that's where we, you run into a very slippery problem. Correct. And so, right. Like I can look at, you know, like David would say, like, I can look at another guy and say, oh, he's a beautiful human being that God created, right? Yep. But then I sit there and dwell on it. That's where the problem starts. Sure. And so for for him, I, I just, I love kind of where he landed with that and how yeah. he worded it in the book. Again, sure. I even though I spoiled the end, I'd still recommend. Yeah. It's, a, it's a great book to read because how he gets there is is super, super good. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's, again, there's so many resources and, and, if you're in this very personally and very deep, look into it. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's so much good stuff out there, but I just want to kind of wrap up this homosexuality as a sin thing, because here is the reality. Homosexuality is sin. And like every sin, we might be tempted, but that choice is ours. So we can't act mm-hmm. on it. But at the same time, that sin is still sin. Sin is sin. There, there is, there's, we come to the foot of the foot of the cross and we are sinful human beings. 
the alcoholic is just as sinful and messed up as the homosexual. The homosexual is no different than the liar and the glutton. There's sin is sin. And there's, there's different things that go with it. But at the end of the day, it's sin that Jesus can cover. It's sin that Jesus wants to help us through. It's, it's stuff that we can get help with. And that if you are struggling with this and you're sitting here and you're maybe feeling convicted, like, okay, I get it that it's a sin, but it's still a struggle of mine. Like talk to somebody. Like there are so Mm -hmm. many good resources. There's, There's good stuff here and absolutely and seek after god in this yeah. like i challenge all of our students like if you have a question if you don't know the answer to something seek after god because i have a hundred percent faith that you're that you're gonna find him and yeah. he's going to reveal truth yeah. to you he's gonna reveal understanding to you and like derek said like there are gonna be instances where you know sometimes like i and this is a this is bigger than homosexuality. Any sin that you can be tempted with. I have seen somebody pray and God immediately take that temptation away from them. And, and they never have that urge to do whatever it is ever again. And I've met other people where that's not done. And, you know, it's not that immediate instant miracle. And this yeah. is something that they struggle with. And both of those are incredible testimonies to God. Both of them are incredible testimonies to, in my weakness, God is made strong. Yeah. And so that's where I think that, you know, un- unfortunately, like I said, it's not as easy as we all, we just pray and God snaps his fingers yeah. and takes away our temptation. Um, Be nice. But the bottom line for, for that conversation really is, is keeping the bigger picture in mind. Yeah. You know, for me, and this is, again, this is a huge thing in Christianity today, not just in homosexuality, not just in the conversation of Christianity and LGBTQ communities. Marriage is not the highest calling in our lives. Mm. As Christians, as Christ followers, you know, marriage has become something bigger than I think it is. God designed marriage to be awesome. He designed it to be beautiful. He designed sex to be awesome. But we have placed that higher than I think we should have. You know, the the highest calling for us is to honor Christ and to be a light for the gospel. Yeah. Like that above all else. Yeah needs to be what we are pointing towards. Yep. You know, the, the joke, um, like Derek and I both went to a Christian university, a Christian college, and... We call it Bible college, because that'll make your joke here. Right, it, it did, it was, it's now North Central University. It used to be called North Central Bible College. And I don't think I've met a single Christian university or Christian college where there was not some sort of joke about people coming there just to find a spouse, right? It was our our university, North Central Bible College, used to affectionately be called North Central Bridal College. Like, and there are so many other examples of Christian colleges where that's the Ring culture. By spring. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's kind of the expected, yeah, you're here to find a spouse. Oh, and also grow closer to God and study whatever it is you're in right. college for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's kind of this weird, uh, you know, we're, we're obsessed with, like, we have to get married, we have to find a spouse, all of these things. Uh, and, and that's just, it's not 
God designed us first and foremost to honor him, yeah. to love him and to be a light for the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And it's relationships are critical, but in their proper realms and their proper things. And so, um, you know, what, there's obviously a lot that we need to kind of unpack here. And I know this, this episode is one of those things where we're, we're, we're long and we're, we're okay long. with it. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But, I, I just feel compelled to just reach out to students really quick because I believe there are students that listen to our podcast and they're never going to tell their youth pastor that they're doing it because they don't want to be embarrassed. So shout out to our students for a second. If you are a student who struggles and you are trying to figure out what this all means for you, like we love you. Uh, this is not a matter of you need to feel guilty and shameful. We all have our stuff. And so we are in this thing with you. And yep. that's, that's critical. If you are a friend of someone who struggles with it, don't use this podcast as ammunition. See, like, I told you you're wrong. Let this fuel you and channel you to help be there for your friend and help them on this journey with them, what, especially if they don't know Christ. Because oh, man, this is, this is a hot button thing for me. Man, let me tell you, the Christian church, like we mentioned earlier, that the Christian church might have a thing or two to learn from the mm-hmm. the. The LGBTQ community, you know, it is not. Since when did it become the Christian church's role to condemn other people, to point out their sin and wait for it, change their heart? Correct. Like yeah. it is not our, it's not even right. within our capability yep. to change somebody's heart. No one has ever in the history of the, this is, I, I don't have any research to back this up, but I'm going to go out on a limb here, okay? No one has ever in the history of the world come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ through a Facebook comment argument. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But we take it upon ourselves to... Oh, you are you know, right. I have this person that I know. They are not a Christian, but they're and and they're homosexual. They're pansexual. Take your pick of the acronyms. I am going to come in like a battering ram, slap them over the head with the Bible, and convince them that they're wrong, and convince them to be a Christian. And if not, if how that and works? And if we're doing that for homosexuality, why do we not do it for alcoholism? Why do we Good not question. do it for? And, and that's what I'm saying is sin is sin and it needs to be handled. Yeah. It needs to be taken the, to Christ. But The one that I would say is almost even more widely accepted by the church, pre-marital sex. I had to, I don't hmm. know why that was so hard for me I, to... Yeah. <laughs> I, but, I was going to say right. pre-sexual marriage, which is actually... <laughs> but but that's actually what we should be doing. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and that sexual immorality piece is just that homosexuality falls under that umbrella. But that's what I think we're trying to say is you're no worse. And I use worse loosely. You're no worse in terms of sin if you are homosexual than if you've been sleeping with your boyfriend of 10 years, but you're not married. Like in the eyes of the, what the Bible says, you're in the same boat. And I think that's what's hard for people to understand. And uh, I was actually telling my students last night at youth ministry, maybe it was a few few weeks ago, I can't remember exactly. But whenever you go to that, where the football games the, or the baseball games, there's people out in the front with picket signs saying, if you're gay, you're going to hell. And it's like, who are you convincing? Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. And so I, I think that really what it comes down to is, let's, let's shift gears here for a second. Parents, youth leaders, youth pastors, 
what is our response? Like, what is it that we are supposed to do? And I think yeah. it really is summed up into love, <gasps> love. No, like, right? like, it's got to be know, more complicated than that, Derek. It's, you would think, you would think. <laughs> and, and I think again, acceptance, you start to think that the only way to love is to accept. Yeah. And that might be a piece of the pie but it's not the whole thing. Like love takes on so many different forms, so many different actions and youth pastors. Here's how you can love. Uh, you don't shame. Mm-hmm. You don't uh, berate. You don't shove the Bible down there. If they, if, if, if they come up to you, yeah, have a conversation. But I think as a youth pastor, here's what I've, I've reconciled. Loving our students in this situation is so much more than addressing the issue. It's more so doing everything else around me. And so here are things that I've had to adjust in the last two years that I didn't think about when I was in bridal college. (laughs) If you have a retreat or if you're at camp and you historically put boys with boys and girls with girls because you don't want any relationships happening, that changes now. Because now if you have homosexual relations guys and guys and girls and girls are the very thing that you're trying to avoid are now happening. Yep. And so even practical things like students, like, Hey, I know we're all guys or all girls. But like if you're going to change, just change in the bathroom or change, you know, in a, in a separate area. Um, something else I've been trying to do is having a universal standard of PD and your youth ministry. If you don't want to call out the two girls holding hands in the back, call out the guy and the girl holding hands in the back. Like let the standard be the same because if that's what you're worried about, it needs to be consistent throughout the whole thing. Train your team in this stuff. Make sure they know how to handle it. So it's not everybody off just flying off the handle and going off the cuff and doing their own response. Like these are conversations and trainings and universal things that as a ministry, if we can have the same approach, if we can challenge each other, if we can, educate each other, we're going to be much better off and show love in a much more practical way. Yeah. We did a training with all of our youth leaders uh, is coming up on a, maybe a year ago now, but we, we did one specifically dedicated to, you know, LGBTQ, uh, you know, kind of going through some of those definitions that we did at the beginning of the episode. Uh, but then talking about like, okay, what's our response? Uh, you know, we do our, we have, we call them connect groups, you know, small groups, whatever, whatever groups you want to call them. Uh, we do those every single Wednesday and they're organized, right? Our high school girls are all together. Our high school boys are all together in a couple different groups. And so, you know, we had the conversation if, if a student comes on a Wednesday night and, you know, biologically they are female and they identify as male, what group do we put them in? And, you know, one of the things that we talked about, uh, and, and I don't know that this is, you know, necessarily a gospel thing. You have to do this, but just to share it as a resource, one of the things we talked about and landed on was, you know, a, a student coming in, like they are expecting us to judge them. They're expecting us yeah. not to love them. Yep. And so we did make the decision, like if, if a student, is, they're biologically a female and they identify as male, if they walk over to our high school boys connect group, we're not going to fight that. Uh, Now, I fully anticipate that if they truly are seeking after God, God's going to work in their heart. Yeah. And there might be, and as, as we as adult leaders build a relationship with this student, then maybe there's a conversation that can be had. 
But if we tell them night number one, you need to go be in this other group, the odds of them coming back in our building decrease rapidly. And it's not necessarily us, you know, it's, it's not us affirming, you know, what they, who, who they say they are and, and what they say they believe, but it can be, you know, just a small little olive branch of, Hey, we want you here and we're going to allow, and you know, it becomes a bigger conversation topic if you move to like a retreat scenario where there's overnight stuff happening, you know, that that's a separate conversation. Uh, But I'm talking about a discussion group after a Wednesday night. Yeah. Right. So that's where, you know, let's, let's be a little bit lenient if it means we can show love where somebody's not expecting it. Uh, And again, this is, this is where our youth ministry landed on this. Uh, This is not a end all be all. This is exactly what every youth ministry should do. Uh, but you know, we've seen, you know, every once in a while, something like that'll happen or even as simple as, you know, you had a student come with a friend of the opposite gender and they don't, they're the most shy person on the face of the planet. We had that happen once and we were like, okay, like, you know, be in that group. That's fine. And they started coming a little bit more often and eventually got plugged in with our high school guys group. And it was, it was great. And is that not the main goal we're going for here? Like if we are so bent on being right and modeling the behavior without getting to the heart of individuals, like we're doing Mm -hmm. the wrong thing. And we're trying to correct without building a relationship. Because if, if we, if I try to correct a student in my ministry that is there for the first time, they're never coming back. But if I take the time to build a relationship with them, now I have influence in their life and trust and that, yes, exactly. They know that I care about them. Yeah. It's, it's, I think we sometimes are ploy to come down on other people and their sin is a way for us to bolster our own righteousness. And for us, I feel like I'm so much holier than thou because I don't do this. And can I just say, um, be careful because that was the very mentality that the Pharisees kind of were, were holding. Mm -hmm. And we see in the new Testament, Jesus didn't get too bent out of shape except with them. He came down on them hard. And so if you're approaching this topic, I know we have, some very strong stances on this thing on both sides of the fence. Let me just implore all of our listeners, the heart behind everything we are doing in the disgusting, discuss, discussing, <laughs> not discussing. <laughs> we want the heart of the student to know their eternal purpose with Christ. Yep. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And so this stuff needs to be addressed. It needs to be talked about. But at the core of what we're trying to do in our youth ministries is for these students to understand who they are, who God's called them to be, and what they can do in their life. And that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, parents and youth pastors, you know, that's another one where bring it all back to just love on the kid. Make sure that they know how much you love them. If, you know, parents, if a student comes to you, or if your kid comes to you and says, hey, mom, hey, dad, I'm gay, I'm whatever, they, one, they are bracing for impact. Yep. Two, they are completely vulnerable. Yep. And they're expecting you to just blow up. 
number one best thing you can do in that situation is just make sure they know how much you love them. Yep. And and we'll figure the rest out later. That has to be the chief thing that happens in that moment. Yeah. You're a smart it. man, Kyle. Um, I don't know. I always feel whenever I say stuff like that, I always feel like I'm I'm the guy who doesn't have kids telling parents what to do. No, so it's we'll good. See. It's good. <laughs> no, I love Derek. Anything else you want to add? No, I think I've, uh, I know we've said this 10 million times, but this is a real thing. And this is something that we talk about and discuss and deal with weekly, uh, in, in many different aspects. And mm-hmm. so if you do, uh, wherever you're at, parent, student, youth pastor, grandparent, whatever it is, but you want more help, more insight, more of a discussion, there is so much stuff out there. That's the nice part about our day and age is there's so many resources, support groups, blogs, all this different stuff that we can plug you into. And so if you need help with any of that, reach out to us at how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. And we will either get you the stuff you need or point you in the direction for somebody else to do the same. Absolutely. It's either, it's either us telling you what to do or people a lot smarter than us telling you what to do. So we'll probably point you in other directions. Exactly. But uh, that's all we have for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I am going to go eat an entire bowl of cookie dough. Goodbye. Goodbye.